Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Do you remember a few episodes back I referenced Aerosmith at the end of an episode? Yes. Well, I'm going to do it again. Oh boy. Okay. I guess today we are living on the edge. <laughs> well I done. I know, that was, well that was terrible. Done. I'm so sorry. You must have this affinity for Aerosmith. I really I, don't. I did not understand That's the it. funny thing. Like, I mean, I was a fan of them back in the 90s when everybody <laughs> was there for a while. But for some reason, we've had conversations that have reminded me of yes. Aerosmith songs. Yes, and Very today, songs. Yeah. we are talking about edge computing. Nice. I really nice. couldn't think of a better intro than this, so I figured I'd just throw out a yes. Aerosmith lyric. That's there, awesome. So. Yeah, there you go. But now we have but with Steven Tyler's not easy to replicate, so go ahead. <laughs> That's a very good point, yeah. Can't, couldn't do that if I tried. Shred my vocals. So today we have with us Charlie Wu from Advantech. He's going to be talking to us about edge computing. Yeah. Uh, first of all, we're going to kind of explain a little bit about what that means if you don't yep. quite understand it. Yep. We're going to talk about the difference between that and cloud computing in case you get mm -hmm. too confused. I admit I kind of used to get them oh, a little confused. Oh, yes. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the resources you need to make edge computing happen from mm -hmm. a hardware, software, and personnel side. Yep. Uh, we'll get into some practical examples and places where edge computing makes sense. He's yep. got, I'm sure he's going to have some great Drilling down to the SMB, by the way. He's not just the big guys. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, as always, our usual value to the VAR and what's technical with us. I promise not to sing any more Aerosmith <laughs> on the podcast. For now. For now. It's time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, Charlie Wu, the product manager for Advantech. Charlie, thank you so much for being on with us today. I apologize for already making you cringe with singing at the <laughs> beginning of the show, uh, but thanks for being here. Tell us a little about yourself, how you got to where you are at Advantech, and maybe what you do on a daily basis. Well, um, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I've been with Advantech for actually 21 years already. Nice. Um, I'm a product manager and I manage a, a small group of people that manage some of the very interesting product lines within Advantech, typically computing solutions and some of the uh, wireless um, modules plus some um, vertical market specific systems and displays. So, and that is just a very small portion of um, Advantech's overall product portfolio. Um, our data day-to-day -day, um, activity usually goes with trying to find out what is best for our customer, okay? Um, what are the best solutions with the uh, best combination of um, computing power, the um, features needed in order to make our customers success. That has always been what we have been doing and what I've been doing since the day that I joined the company. Nice. Very nice. Been there for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Before the edge. <laughs> when the edge just was a uh, guy that played it for you two. Even better. 
Hey, it wasn't Aerosmith. I made a different reference that time. Very nice, very nice. Different musical reference. Oh, man. All right, well, well, let's get into this topic about edge computing. um, Yeah. Because, again, it's one that uh, I know you have kind of wrote for making sure this was something we talked about on on here. And and I'll be honest, it's a topic that I sort of understood, but not enough. And I feel like I know a little bit more, but I think Charlie's going to fill in the gaps Well, I think there's a need out there, right? I mean, because just that. I mean, there's chatter happening out in the channel about the edge. Everybody knows about cloud computing. They get that, and they, they understand that. But I'm telling you, there's there's some nuance here, and there's some differences. Exactly. Yeah, that we so need to-, to kick it off, let's talk about. I, I found a little bit of data from a, uh, a website called TechTarget.com that talks about um, the whole edge computing dynamic and kind of gives mm-hmm. a little bit of definition that helped me kind of understand a little better. But one mm-hmm. of the the stats they threw out is by 2025, 75 percent of enterprise generated data will be created outside of centralized data centers. Uh, and then when they were mentioning companies that are doing this or thinking about doing it, they said only 27% of enterprises are already doing this and 54% have expressed interest. So that, that's huge. I'm going to pause on that. that. 75% of enterprise generated data will be created outside of the centralized data centers. Exactly. That's the edge. That is the edge. Yeah. And that's where I think we got to start talking about this, this opportunity for our VARs to get in on 100%. this. 100%. So then let's start with the basics, Charlie. How do you define edge computing yourself, and how does it differ from cloud computing in your mind? So let's go into the um, basics, so to speak. And by definition, edge means it's living on the edge. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) As far as the um, edge differs from the cloud computing is where the data are actually being processed and where are the decisions are actually being made. So cloud computing, we're very familiar. It minimizes the um, computing power um, at the front end. All the data are all the data are being collected and um, being sent up to the cloud, and all the computing power are in the cloud. So you're running different programs, different apps. You're getting those data from um, the front end and um, doing the processing. That is all very well, fine and dandy and works for some of the application, but unfortunately not always. So in this case for the edge computing from what I have seen is that the, some, of the, some of the applications, some of the um, vertical market does require those decisions and also um, actions must be made almost instantaneous. And those are the reason why edge computing is becoming more and more popular among um, those type of a um, those type of a application. Um, say a very simple and under easily understanding um, example for cloud computing is all the different conversion tools that we have seen before. Um, lens conversion, unit conversion, Currency conversion, we key in the data on a website, the cloud go back to me and say, okay, how much is my $1 US worth in whatever, any other dollars now in the other country? And that gave us, re- that gave us reasonably quick enough um, information, but um, cloud compute, I'm sorry, edge computing on the other hand, um, data is collected locally and processed locally and may not be the best comfortable example but just say your garage door when you press that button you want your garage door to open immediately you doesn't you don't need the data to go all the way to somewhere and then come back and say okay now i grant you access to 
um, open up the garage door. Mind you, I know there are companies out there, especially there's one company that partners with um, um, some uh, online retailer and that allows you to do like a remote entry, but that's beside the point. Okay, so the thing is different vertical market with different application will require um, usually faster immediate process at the edge side. And that typically goes into say manufacturing sectors or um, um, what, what was the, let me see, the critical, like a mission critical type of application. Mm -hmm. Those are usually the type of the application that will require immediate response from the edge side. And the delay of going into the cloud side is just simply not acceptable based on those type of um, implementation. That's my understanding. That's it. That's it right there. I mean, he touched on it. You know, it's it's edge computing is focused on the reduction of travel and time that data has to take to get around because you're trying to thwart the latency. I mean, right. we, we've seen it. We have certainly experienced it in our neck of the woods, if you will, and in, in our industry and the mobile devices that people have in manufacturing environments or, or whatnot. Latency can be a killer. I mean, if you're waiting on your mobile device to do to wait on the cloud right. application right. to spit back to you some more information so that you can then continue your job. Uh, latency is a killer. And, yeah. and when you think about millennials today and gamers and, and they deal with latencies, it's in the milliseconds. I mean, right? Information's got to happen right now. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's where the edge computing is really taking on a whole new level uh, of being able to deliver, you know, computations and information in real time and kill that latency that sometimes can get bogged down in cloud-based applications. Dead on. Yeah. yeah. And I like that uh, mission critical aspect. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, right? Yeah, and I, and I think we'll I think we'll get into that a little bit more when we kind of talk about some of the specific you know case studies and examples of where this is utilized. But but before we get to that, let's let's talk about the the resources involved here to make edge computing happen. Um, you know, I, again, I you know I, I think even once you grasp the concept of it, like okay, I get it. So it's all about processing you know, where data is collected, mm -hmm. doing what needs to be done with it right there without sending it off somewhere, without taking any kind of time or any kind of latency as you refer to it. But, mm -hmm. you know, what does it take to make that happen from a hardware, software, maybe even a personnel perspective? Like, what, what do you need to make edge computing happen at a site? For the various projects that I have been dealing with, um, typically business um, that I deal with either have a a software that they are already very familiar with because they developed that software or they have a concept and they want to realize that concept. But um, if they don't have the software capability, then they will go to a third party developer to um, create that software for them. Then based on usually the software's um, hardware requirement, it will dictate the hardware that's needed for such application. And usually that is how the uh, computing platform are being decided. And it's pretty much the same for the edge computing. So especially now we have a lot of um, artificial intelligence related application now. And edge computing in this case, our software company that specialize with uh, various type of uh, artificial intelligence software and usually employ once the um, software is selected, we have the hardware that is created for that particular application 
then that is when the um, company or business come to contact with us and say, what kind of um, computing hardware solution do you have for us? Um, that's where we go in based on the performance needed, based on the uh, I.O. required, and also some of the other um, performance aspects, such as right now we have a lot of uh, GPU inquiries working with um, companies such as NVIDIA, such as Intel, and some of the other um, companies that um, does the artificial intelligence GPU rendering for the vision AI type application. Um, those are usually the process and the resource that is being consumed, is being um, asked to create such um, solution. Then usually a team is put together um, between um, us as a uh, hardware vendor, the software um, team that's working on uh, our customer site. Then we work together to work out all the different issues that they may have while evaluating the um, hardware. So in this case, um, once those um, solutions are being implemented, then obviously there will also be needing technicians to maintain those systems to ensure proper function. And that's where we typically try to help our customer is to create a more reliable industrial type of solution that hopefully to minimize our customers need to send technician out to fix things because the uh, machines are broken. Um, on the other hand, um, it's also become more and more popular that uh, companies are employing additional softwares that will be able to do like a predictive maintenance and preventive maintenance just to make sure that the system, if exhibiting any type of um, um, abnormal behavior, they are able to detect it early, uh, send the technician out, and also based on the data that they collected from those type of um, implementation, they can also somewhat predict that in the future, if there are similar implementations, similar type of platform, maybe it's about like um, at what time they might need to prepare for um, updating, upgrading, maintaining, and repairing of the uh, system because those are based on the uh, data that they collected is something that's about to needing those type of uh, service. So from the edge computing side, those are typical project development cycle that we have seen um, until, of course, the project goes to end of life, then we move on to the next generation. Yeah, there, and there's a lot to unpack in there because, you know, when you think about the architecture of developing a solution, uh, certainly uh, with large manufacturers or large entities that have the need and or ability to do edge computing that is fairly robust, or, you know, even down to the plant level or the office level, that stuff can get pretty, pretty serious. But, and I know we're going to get into use cases, but when you think about it, edge computing is really going to manifest itself in, in a lot of different ways. The architecture doesn't have to be relatively stacked and it doesn't have to be all this you know complex wave when you think about it it could just be like a, a retail establishment uh, uh, deploying you know the use of AI I like where you're going there Charlie well AI takes some computing power 
number one. And number two, you can't have a lot of latency behind that. If you're trying to use AI to personalize the shopping experience mm -hmm. and whatever, your digital signage is waiting on the cloud to compute that and then push it back, well, the person's already walked past yep. the display. You're, you're done. You can't have latency They're in the like back that. of the store and you're like, hello, so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, John. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. We missed you. Hey, wait, come back. You know, no, and it's, it's Dean standing there going, yeah. what? Exactly. So so that's, the, that's why I think the need to understand what's happening in edge computing is so relevant, not just in, in large manufacturing or, or large uh, solutions like that, but you're really going to start seeing, because we talk all, about, all the time about AI specifically. I mean, let's dive in there. Uh, of course, Advantech has such things as edge AI acceleration modules. So they've got computing power that you can put in localized areas to help specifically with those types of applications. Well, you can bet your bottom dollar that software developers know that, and they're integrating that kind of ability, the flex flexibility that their software needs to have to have computing power at the local level to handle maybe some of these things that, that got to happen in real time with low latency yep. right yep. so yeah i mean to to charlie's point it you know the of course every solution is different um, every solution may not need a technician that, that, that's waiting there, but but you're going to start seeing a lot of this. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Well, and Charlie said the, the the magic word that we think is so important in this channel with our bars, which is solution. Yeah, right. And the idea of, look, a lot of the people who are going to need this, a lot of the enterprises and the businesses that will need this are not the kind that can just shut down and implement a brand new system <laughs> piece by piece until they get it right and figure out that no. Yeah. We, we, I mean, I remember we talked about this in warehousing, you know, a couple months back on an episode mm -hmm. about the idea, like the reason why it's so hard sometimes to move warehousing companies to the next level is how do you shut down for any amount of time to implement a new system? So mm -hmm. I think if you're going to go in and you're trying to sell somebody on this, you need to be coming at them with a, a full solution that you can implement rapidly and easily and get them where they need to go yep. without, and basically tell them like, Hey, downtime is going to be minimal. And obviously the goal is when we do this, even less downtime to worry about because everything's going to be happening right here on the edge for us. Absolutely. So, yeah. No doubt about it. So Charlie, then let's, let's get into some of those specific use cases then and maybe some practical examples, industries, uh, maybe some some situations you've been involved in where edge computing made sense, and and tell us about what some of the key benefits that came out of those are. The type of application that we see very often is actually mission critical, as I mentioned earlier. And mm -hmm. when I say mission critical, some of the um, applications comes to mind. First is medical. So we do actually have some medical applications that includes um, surgical robots. And surgical robots obviously are going to be mission critical. Um, latency is not acceptable. Um, <laughs> can you imagine you're cutting into someone and that knife just keeps going and you cannot stop it? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. yeah, so that that is going to be um, one of the uh, mission critical application, for example. and. The other one that's actually more common and has been what Eventech has been funded on for many years is manufacturing. So we work with many of the companies, um, create manufacturing solutions. We're part of their manufacturing pro uh, production line. We do factory automation and we also have um, machines, for example, um, create having our system integrated into like um, CNC machines, um, cutting machines and so on and so forth. And those obviously needs good edge computing capability 
because um, just say, for example, one of the application is um, production quality, quality control. So we're utilizing the high-speed camera. We can pick out anomalies and then robotic arms or other means can um, take out defective products, be it the label was labeled wrong, or if it was agriculture, maybe the size of the tomato does not meet, meet the standard that goes into this crate, so it needs to go into that crate, so it will be diverted, stuff like that. And those needs edge computing power. It cannot have um, cloud involved. And another very commonly um, application that we see today, and probably going to be even more commonly seen in the future, are automatic automated guided vehicles and also um, autonomous vehicles. Um, those will require sufficient, not only the uh, computing power, but also graphic rendering power, because especially um, um, given the current COVID situation, there are companies that we are working on right now and particularly dealing with uh, delivery of goods. And that is going to be like a, not only automated guided, but also autonomous vehicle. Um, so to minimize the contact of people, to hopefully minimize the spread of the uh, um, virus. And can you imagine that the vehicles keep going and is waiting for the cloud to tell it to stop and just bump into either people or other car and creating accidents? That's the last thing that we want to have happen. So those are some of the practical applications that I have seen um, and is actually being very successfully using the um, edge computing, not only now, but has been going on for a long time, especially in the manufacturing sector. Um, on the other hand, there is the mission critical, but there's also the, co the cost reduction reality part of it. So when working with a large cloud provider, how do they charge? They charge by how much data you submit to them. And if, um, say, for example, smart city application, um, you're collecting the raw data, you're collecting the temperature, humidity, air quality, so on and so forth. And without edge computing, you got all the raw data submit up to the cloud computing. That's going to cause whoever's operating them, that application that company is going to cost them a lot of money paying to the cloud provider because of a sheer size of the uh, data that's been uploaded. So edge computing can, in some cases, save the uh, cost on the cloud simply because the data cannot be processed. Some of the only meaningful data can be submitted up to the cloud. Say, for example, um, license plate recognition. Take like, um, for example, tow road control. You can use camera, pick up the license plate number. You can upload the whole chain pack onto the cloud. Or would it be better to have the edge computing to actually recognize what is the text on that license plate and only send the text data over to cloud? So that is kind of um, what I see as a uh, tug of war between how fast the data are being transmitted and how cheap the cloud storage cost is going to be. That will kind of determine how much of an edge computing is actually required um, at the edge on some of the applications.
Really good stuff yeah. there, Charlie. A, a couple things to unpack, th- unpack there. And I'm actually going to bring a little context to some uh, statistics that I read about. I'm going to go back to the mission critical stuff. Let me lay this statistic on you. Of 1,700 senior IT decision makers, 56% of them, in a, in a recent survey by uh, Quadrant Strategies, 56% of global uh, IT DMs or the IT uh, decision makers say that five in five years, most of their mission critical applications will require five milliseconds or less computing. Wow. So when you're getting that fast, you can't go to the cloud. No, you, you it's got to be happening like right now. Seventy five percent of those individuals, again, global ITDMs, say that edge computing will have a positive impact on spurring innovation. I like where you're going there, Charlie. Right? I mean, the innovation is. I, I love your use case. Do we store the image of the license plate here? Do we send that to the cloud, or no? We need to innovate a little bit here. Mm-hmm. you know, run that computing to the edge and only send up to the cloud what needs to go up to the cloud right, so that right. it can do the heavy uh, lifting up there. Anyway, 77% of global ITDMs say their organization's latency challenges can only be so- solved by edge computing. So you have some consensus building out there about the need for this edge computing, especially around mission critical. You're, you're dead on there, Charlie. Mission critical type of things uh, and, and the need to have the computing power happened where it's at. So we're, we're starting to see it, you know, in a, in a variety of different ways. I, I'm grateful you brought up a, autonomous vehicles. I mean, that would, I cannot imagine going down this. Oh, hold on. I got to wait for the cloud to make the, this right. decision. Should I on, swerve from the deer or should I not? <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, swerve. No, we just killed it six feet back. It's right. Sorry, yeah. You know, but yeah. bringing it to our world, I mean, we've talked about robotics, right? Robotics right. is not going anywhere. It's going to play. It's going to have a play in our space, especially when you get into the AIDC and the manufacturing warehouse world, robotics is there. Yep. And so to, that computing has to happen locally. You can't have decisions being made by robots and in, in the latency and, oh, wait a minute, we got to wait for the cloud to respond back to the robot right, so that, right. no, that you're kind of defeating the purpose of having all that whiz-bang technology, you know, uh, to use there. So, yeah, lots of good stuff yeah. there. Well, it's funny, when, when I was doing my research for this, too, transportation was one I came across that immediately popped in me, like, yeah, that's a good point, you know, mm-hmm. and not even just the self-driving cars, but just, like, even, like, being able to regulate the flow of traffic, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, as we introduce more and more mass transit, you know, opportunities in, in various places around the world, so much you can gain from being able to assess, you know, the number of people trying to get on or off, or who's going to what destination and that destination. I know that some of that stuff exists now, but when you can do that computing right there on site, mm-hmm. and very quickly, you can make some of those snap decisions that can just make everything flow so much faster and easier. And it makes me think, we've talked a lot about smart cities, and we've never, we haven't had an actual episode about that because... I find it's hard to find people that are willing to talk a lot about it because <laughs> there's not much, there's not enough to say about it. It's like everybody says, yeah, we all know what it's, it's a good buzzword, to be. right? Yeah. Right. right. We all know what it's supposed to be, but we don't quite know how we're going to get there or if we're anywhere close yet. Yeah. But I feel like this edge computing has to be one of the most important components to be able to have in place. Oh, yeah. If you want to get anywhere close to making a smart city become a 100%. real thing. 100%. Absolutely. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember d- discussions back in the day, and this is only a couple of years ago, talking about smart city technology, and, you know, leveraging kiosks that are put out there and the computing power in there to help facilitate other com- computations that need to happen at a localized level. So yeah. a- absolutely. And a- another data point, I mean, when you look at like M- Microsoft's uh, Azure and where – 
Amazon Web Services are going, they are going to a hybrid edge computing environment. Why? Because they want to reduce the latency of the customers that are utilizing their big farms, right, their big right. data farms. So it's out there. It's happening. And I don't know how you would do a smart, a big old smart city with, you know, hold on, you know, decisions <laughs> have got to wait and spin, spin, right. spin, spin. Yeah, you're going to be a little disappointed if you're, you know, if, if I don't know, let's say like a guidance, you know, system of some sort, some kind of navigational yeah. system within a city that's supposed to yeah. guide traffic this way or that, depending yeah. on what they're doing the day. That thing can't sit there and spin. No. There's not enough, there's not a lot of time <laughs> to tell people what to do as they're driving on past Hold on, you know? hold yeah. on, gotta wait. Well, it'd be like, I mean, imagine like the GPS in your car, which granted, that still is a little bit of, you know, bouncing back and forth going on, but... You know, we, you've seen what happens from time to time if if something gets off for even just a few seconds. Oh, yeah. If you take a different turn from what the car thinks you're one to, you should be taking, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that little lag mm -hmm. for it to pick up can mean the difference between you going down five extra roads to get back to where you're supposed to be or just or recalculating and redirecting immediately. <laughs> and that's even as fast as that stuff is right now. Yeah, too. and humans making those decisions, yeah, right? Oh, exactly. my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Charlie, then let's let's kind of wrap up then talking about the challenges. Um, and I, I think we've kind of hinted at that a little bit, but, you know, where do you see difficulties and challenges, you know, including not just the challenges to actually get edge computing implemented or to maintain it, but, you know, where do you see pushback also? Well, you know, where do customers come to you and say, I don't know that we need to do this. Either we're fine with cloud computing or we just don't see the value in this just yet. Um, so, so where are those challenges coming from right now? From what I can see is all about cost versus reward. What does the customer, um, our customer or um, their customer um, are able to benefit from such implementation? Um, for example, one of the um, application that I am working with before, the customer decided, you know what? Um, Cloud computing is actually perfectly good. Their application is um, call center. And they decided we don't need edge computing. We don't need the computers to divert all the calls to different operators. That can all be done at cloud. It's actually cheaper for them to go with cloud. So that's how they do it. Um, can I blend them? Obviously, um, I need to answer to my boss about why the project is lost, right? But on the, at the same time, it's all about cost versus reward. Where is the benefit? For a customer who are willing to implement um, the edge computing, that means processing power at the edge has immediate and profound impact on their application. They needed the edge in computing, and then it usually comes down to how can they implement that with the least um, amount of effort and also least amount of um, least amount of the uh, monetary cost, of, co of course. At the same time, striking the balance between um, a stable and also reliable system that can last in a long time. So it's always that struggling for the balancing between all the different factors in order to have the proper computing solution implemented. Um, in the part, in, in the part about like a maintaining, um, that that's that's probably the most important part where Eventech helps our customer by providing reliable solution. Is many of those edge computing solutions they are installed into either remote areas or 
difficult to access part of the um, production line. They don't want those things to be touched. They don't want to touch that thing. And if they need maintenance, they actually need to send technician out to solve problem. It costs them a lot of money. It can be monetary loss for them because they need to shut down the production line. Um, all those things combined, that's that's reason why um, we hopefully are providing a reliable and easy to use and also cost-effective solution to our customer altogether at the same time. That is, for the most part, the challenge is how do we strike that balance? A lot of time when a project that I worked on eventually got canceled is usually because of a conflict. The management decided, mm, this solution, although sounds good on paper, but it's actually gonna cost a lot of money for the company and the reward is not there. So they decided they don't want to move forward with it anymore. And they decided that maintaining the system required more costs on the technician and it's better, it's better off keeping it on the cloud um, where data can be collected. So we just maintain a very simple computing solution at the edge for the uh, operator to key in data. That's understandable. So those are the typical type of uh, implementation challenge that we meet when we are pushing our solution to the edge. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. I mean, right, you're going back to the the day, you know, you are you are bringing that computing a little bit more localized. So you have to think through it as a, as a solutions integrator or problem solver, you have to think some of those things through and, and some other things that I'll that I'll uh, throw on top here as well as, you know, such things as data that data is going to accumulate. So you got some storage <laughs> problems, uh, potentially backup, you know, security, it gets into play here as well. Network bandwidth, you know, some of those old traditional things that you used to think about 10 years ago or 20 years ago whatever before the cloud was was in play some of those are going to come creeping back into you know oh, yeah we got storage issues and yeah we got another device on the network it's got to be secured and stuff like that but again you know if you take a holistic approach uh, what that Charlie was just talking about and really that's what our uh, you know providers do they look at the solution and then figure it out but those things come into play too and, yeah. and can sometimes pose some challenges along the way but, I agree well yeah. it reminds me of what Charlie mentioned earlier about the like the whole cloud thing where depending on what you're uploading the mm -hmm. cost can add up fast oh yeah like i think about i mean have you ever had your phone yell at you say like oh you've yeah. almost filled your iCloud yes you, you want to buy another gig or another <laughs> five gigs or 50 gigs or whatever don't worry it is. it's only ten dollars a yeah, month exactly yeah, which yeah. all things considered relatively inexpensive but that's just from just whatever like even if you're not really using iCloud right like that's just from you just mucking around on your phone mm -hmm. from apps that you've that you've downloaded and stored in the cloud or maybe a few pictures, you know, and, and let's be honest, these things, the cameras are getting better and better. Oh, yeah. The picture size is getting bigger and bigger mm -hmm, all the time. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I think there's a great conversation piece to have there. Be like, hey, maybe you don't think you need this and you're fine with the cloud, but... Think about what you are putting up there and what you will be putting up there over the next five, yeah, 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's, it's a little years. bit of that too, right? right? What's coming down? Mm -hmm. you're right, because as, as you tr start trying to, to gather more data, if you're wanting to become a company that's more embedded in pulling in data and analyzing it and doing something with mm -hmm. it and using mm -hmm. it to make decisions for your company here on out, that data is only going to keep growing. And if you want enough of it to make informed decisions, 
you need to make sure that that what you're gathering is not going to be cost prohibitive in the long run because you have to store so much of that somewhere. Not to mention the fact that you're losing out on the time it takes to process that yeah, data and do right. something with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. An even more complex web that we're weaving here. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, I think this was a, a good kind of starter course. Starter on, course on for edge, edge computing. Yes. Yeah. I feel a little more comfortable with it and a little more understanding than there I had before. Go. So yep, yep. hopefully you do too. Hey, before we come back and let Charlie talk a little bit about uh, what Advantech can do for you, I want to, uh, as always, thank our sponsors for the show. We appreciate your support. Uh, thanks to Advantech for loaning uh, Charlie to us today to talk about this particular topic. And uh, hey, if you if you like the show, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button under the video. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Just do it right now. Most, yeah, yeah most of the there. comments I get are spam. Like, you know, go to this right. video, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And the we link. need some comments on Edge Computer. Yeah, I want real comments. And if, it, if your comment is simply, I don't understand, fine. We'll hook you up with Charlie and let him yeah. sort it out for you a little bit more. Uh, if you if you listen to us uh, on the podcast of your choice, if there's a way to leave us a rating review, do that. If you're an Apple podcast subscriber, give us a five-star rating review. It helps uh, the show to get organically found by other by other folks. Plus, I want to see those reviews. I want to I want to yeah. read those reviews. I want to hear what you have to say, good or bad. If you if you think, hey, John needs to knock it off with we the Aerosmith references. <laughs> Fine. I'll take <laughs> or that. Or we need more. We yeah. need more. Or you need more. That's yeah. right. There you go. Uh, and of course, as always, if you want to reach out to us, if you have uh, topics you want us to discuss, if uh, you want to learn more about edge computing, if you want us to dig into something else that we haven't touched on so far, look for us on Twitter. We're at TechConnectPod, or you can email us TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap up with our recurring segments. First off, the value to the bar. Uh, and this is where I'm going to let Charlie kind of, uh, you know, uh, talk a little bit about how awesome Advantech is. There you go. So uh, for our bars. Well, you need a good partner, right? That's right, exactly. If you're going to get into edge computing, and Advantech is one of those one of those lines for us that's an up-and-comer. They've been around for a long yeah. time. They've got a great product mix, but you need some support. You need some help. See, look, Dean's already selling this for you. Boom, there you so, go. <laughs> but I'll let you kind of expand upon that. So how does Advantech help our bars and other and the businesses that they work with to get started with edge computing. You know, if, if let's say a VAR came to you and said, Hey, Charlie, we, we want to do this. I've got a couple customers that I think might be ready for this, but I don't know where to start. Uh, how would you help out with that? Okay. Well, first of all, I guess I need to try to uh, plug Dean to work with, work for us as a sales <laughs> because he's doing a wonderful job. As long as he can still podcast. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but to the question, um, I guess Eventech has, first of all, we do have um, a lot of experience within the um, edge computing uh, solution for our customer. And to the point that we also have products that allows our customer to create their own private cloud because we do have some server level products that pretty much allows our customer to create a complete network solution from edge to the cloud all together at the same time, from the hardware standpoint. Um, we have a great selection of um, products and it's not limited to just the computing solutions. We also have um, a lot of sensor nodes, a lot of um, IOs and also um, IO cards, IO modules that we provided to, to our customer for automation purposes. So when it comes to computing, um, we are not just saying, okay, we got pretty much 
same computer bugs that everybody else have. We have a lot of add-on value. We know a lot about integrating the computer with the sensors, with the um, the various different type of uh, uh, devices in the market, and we got the necessary connection tool to make it happen. So that is where Avantech can be very valuable to the VARs because the sheer selection of all the different type of solutions. And when I started 20 year, 21 years ago with Avantech, we have a lot less computing and product that we then compared to what we have today. And we do a lot of branching out. So for our for the VAR that are um, watching this program right now, we actually have a lot of vertical market focused product as well. That includes medical, that includes transportation, that includes um, signage, and there's also like um, retail, retail front, um, like a point of sales and a lot of different solutions that we're developing. And we constantly continue to branch out depending on the uh, market direction and also um, our capability to create new solutions. That's it, Charlie. Yeah, born out of the, mm -hmm. that kind of computing uh, and then in incorporating IoT and sensing capabilities. Really unique position, but but lots of good products, lots of great solutions that I think a lot of Blue Stars resellers should be in more in tune with. You're going to ha start having that edge computing conversation if you're not already. Right. And so, and you're going to start getting into other types of IoT devices beyond the mobile devices, the computing devices, printers that you're selling today. You need a partner like an advanced tactic that's going to help you get there. So, yep. yeah, Old well done, Charlie. I said earlier, 54% said they are interested in edge computing. There you go. So that means potentially half of your customers Bo are, interested <laughs> are already in interested in it. So why and not talk to them about it? Exactly. And you know who you can talk to to help you out. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we have handed this to you on a silver. I feel like we should start getting commissions from our bars now. <laughs> if you listen to this show... I mean, first of all, at least leave the reviews. Right. If you've gained anything from us and yes. you may want some business because yes. you listen to us, leave the review. I'm, I'm afraid we're going to give interviews like, I didn't get anything from you guys. <laughs> I tried all this stuff. It failed miserably. My business is in the tank. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, and then, then we'll just do more tech bites or right. uh, nerd that's fests. Right. <laughs> that's right. I think no, I think this is this is good stuff. And, and definitely, Charlie is someone that you're going to want to reach out to. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, all right. Well, let's move on to our favorite segment. This is What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something from the world of science, innovation, technology that has caught our eye, has our attention that we're enjoying, you know, playing with, reading about, or just thinking about lately. So, Charlie, I'll let you start. What's tech connecting with you right now? From my work perspective, definitely anything AI. So, I know we're working with Blue Star. We have some solutions, particularly facial recognition. Now, I know the facial recognition is getting a pretty, somewhat of a bad rap because of the uh, how the government might be using it. But I look at it from more so of how um, we can benefit from it. So a lot of time, um, like a better shopping experience, um, more, more secure workplace, those type, of, those type of deals. And at the same time, just generally AI. Um, AI has, has evolved a lot. And the data collection on a day-to-day -day basis, quite frankly, is amazing. And sometimes it startles me as well. Um, <laughs> it's not the first time that I was just talking with my wife about some of the stuff that we might be interested in. And next thing you know, when I look at my phone, look at my computer browser, um, 
it come it come up with their product suggestions. So things like that is both amazing and scary to me together at the same time. That's the way I look at it. But on the other hand, um, I know there are some, um, especially autonomous vehicle. Um, <laughs> I have to say, this is um, interesting because my wife does not like to sit in my car. <laughs> not because I drive too aggressive, at least um, according to myself, but um, she just doesn't like me driving. <laughs> so it would be nicer if um, autonomous vehicle can actually become reality and we can just um, get in our car, punch in the destination, and the car will drive us there. Um, that will be that will be really nice. At, li at least I don't have to hear bombardments from my wife about <laughs> how horrible my driving actually is. I didn't think about that, Charlie. <laughs> I mean, the advantage yeah. of autonomous vehicles, think of all the marriages that will be saved That's true. when you don't have <laughs> to be the backseat driver. That's true. Uh, I wonder, so does stuff. that mean that you're going to have to, in autonomous vehicles, like have something included to, you know, complain to the... <laughs> The manufacturer or the you know the owner of the vehicle, whatever about its driving. Because like, we just like to complain. How's yeah. my driving? Click yeah. beep boop here, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. In which case Absolutely. you do that and it stops and goes, get out. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why you need edge computing to kick people out of the car right now and not wait on that decision. That's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, that's good stuff, good uh, stuff, Charlie. Yeah, we've been talking about the AI. All right, Dina. What's heck? Right. Well, with you, hey, Dina. I gotta go Excel. You know what Excel is, right? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You like Excel? I so do. Let's think about but... all the wonderful things that Excel, Microsoft Excel product, has yeah. has done for the world. Accounting would not be accounting today if it wasn't for Excel. But yeah. here's an issue that's in the mar in, in the marketplace. So I'm gonna read it for you. Uh -oh. Autocorrect errors in Excel still creating genomics headaches. Despite geneticists being warned about spreadsheet problems, 30% of published papers containing mangled gene names in supplementary data. So, okay, so geneticists are using Excel, right, to store data, manipulate the data and stuff like that. But the autocorrect feature on Excel is really thwarting the industry. Didn't realize it. 30% wow. of the papers out there are, are errant. Here's how it manifests itself. The longstanding issue occurs when abbreviated forms of genetic names known as gene symbols are incorrect, <laughs> recognized as dates, and auto-corrected by oh. Excel. So example, one example is you've got a gene out there, SEPT4, S-E-P-T-4, which is septin-4, and it, it auto-corrects that to 4-SEP. So oh, you've got, so people are publishing this stuff, and it's, it's auto-correcting it to what it thinks is right, right you know, dates right. and stuff like that, but no, no, no. So if somebody's taking that research data and then applying it to their world, but not realizing that it's been autocorrect. Look at the tangled web. That's yep. <laughs> I hope so the people anyway, that are in charge of like things like just turn know, like off cloning the or the, like any like major genetic engineering type projects aren't having these issues. You know, like that's how that's how you know cloning the super soldier that destroys us all. You know, yeah. One, well, one right. wrong number gets turned into a date. Says, well, that is the date I destroy humanity. That's that's why I'm not worried about it anymore because Excel is saving us with autocorrect. So it's just it's not going to happen. So basically, your your theory is that Excel is the great savior of the human race. <laughs> there you go. Who there's knew? like there's like an Excel AI somewhere. Yes. That is yes. doing this would be like no, these humans can't do this. There I you will go. 
go. Autocorrect them. Oh man, wouldn't you think these geneticists are really uh, smart people? Just turn off the autocorrect. Well, it's a switch on there. You can just turn it off. Dude, you'd think. Anyway, but, what's tech connecting with you, John? As right. we stew about that. Yeah, no doubt. So um, you've heard of uh, plant-based meats. Yes. You know, like the yes. Impossible Burger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Beyond Meat. Beyond Beef. I've had or quite a few myself. They're yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and the the guy, the goal behind that is to try to make it as close as possible to meat without being meat, and it's fine for the folks that want to go vegetarian, you know, or, or don't want to be involved in the process of making mm-hmm. meat. Well, mm-hmm. there's another alternative that is on the way that I recently heard about called cultivated meat. Okay. Uh, it's also sometimes called cultured meat, which just makes me think of like, you know, hipster what? cows or something, you know, yeah. or like, have a spot of tea, oh, you know, yeah, as they're watching, they're listening to NPR or something. I don't know. <laughs> But the cultivated meat is uh-huh. instead of instead of trying to use an alternative substance to make meat that's similar to meat, it's yeah. actually creating meat cells. Uh, so yeah, using like animal cells, kind of in a petri dish, or not you know like growing them. Yeah, exactly. Them. Using like stem cells. Yes. To culture and create meat that is the same kind of the same kind of meat, okay. but is obviously you know not created by you know yep. farming and slaughtering a bunch of animals Got to get it. you there. Got I, it. I heard about this on uh, the Love It or Leave It podcast. They had one of the guys on from uh, the Good Food Institute has an interesting article about this. I'll link it in the show notes for you to check out. Um, but it, it, it briefly kind of mentions the and let's talk about the benefits of it. It says you know because. By nature of its more efficient production process, cultivated meat is expected to have a variety of benefits over conventional animal agriculture. Uh, it will use significantly less land and water, yes. fewer greenhouse gases, and Makes reduce sense. agriculture-related pollution and eutrophication, whatever that is. Uh, and, and also mentions that over the next few de- decades, culture, cultivated meat and other alternative proteins are predicted to take a significant market share from the $1.7 trillion conventional meat and seafood industry. This will mitigate agriculture-related deforestation, biodiversity loss, antibiotic resistance, zoonotic disease outbreaks, oh, yeah. and industrialized animal slaughter. Okay, so, so if it tastes anything like the original, well, I think that's lots the thing. of benefits. There's the the like the guy who was on there said, "Look, I've had this stuff. You know, it. There's no difference. Yeah. Like, okay. It, we're growing it it from the same cells of the same animals that mm-hmm. we are getting our meat mm-hmm. from before. There's no difference here, except now we're cutting out all this stuff that is harmful to the Brilliant. environment, harmful Brilliant. to animals, wasting water, wasting land, yeah. uh, leading to a lot more, you know, potential foodborne illnesses. There's a lot less of that yep. when you're doing this route. Yep. Yep. So it's a fascinating idea. They're not completely on the market yet. Apparently, there was a place in Singapore where they I want to try some. There's a company I thought you were going to have a plate some, of no, some cultured meat for it's me. It's been introduced in some other countries, and they've been testing it out. Like chicken bites, I think, is where they've started. They're mm-hmm. like little bites, mm-hmm. chickens mm-hmm. or whatever. But they think within the next four or five years, it'll actually, you know, ramp up to where you know, they'll actually be production go on sale and people will be able to buy this stuff. So there you go. Very curious about I'm, that. I'll give it a try. I'm I know a lot of people are very resistant to the plant-based thing, even if yeah. they've tried it, just like, eh, yeah, it's I, not I want my same. real meat. You know, yeah. well, you still get your real meat, but potentially still tamp down some of those damaging effects from it. As long as the geneticists haven't used Excel to get to this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm hoping they don't do it and there was something wrong in the Excel spreadsheet and instead we get like, I don't know, something that tastes like, you know, moldy bananas. Who knows? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Though. That uh, cultivated meat to taste like Waigu A5, then we're talking. Well, that's true. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yes. I, don't, I don't know how, how far you can get to the really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if it could replace like your standard, you know, yeah. you know, hamburger, yeah, your standard ground chuck or something, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, uh, that does it for us today, Charlie Wu. Thank you so much for joining thanks, us today. Charlie. We appreciate your your insight. Uh, so, thank hey, and, until next time, um, I don't know. Have a spot of tea with your cultured meat. 
and uh, stay connected, everybody. All day, every day, indoor and outdoor work demands industrial grade hardware. So if you're looking to equip customers in manufacturing, retail, or field service with the best mobile tablet, check out Advantech's new AIM 75S. The latest generation of Advantech's popular AIM series is powered by Qualcomm's Snapdragon 660 processor, features an Android 10, and is certified for Google mobile services. Preloading the 75S with productivity apps, features, and integrations. Despite all that power, the AIM 75S is lightweight, fanless, and designed for portability. An 8-inch Gorilla Glass 3 screen is durable but supports gloved and stylus operation. IP65 rating protects from water, dust, and four-foot drops. Oh, and connectivity? How does LTE, WLAN, Bluetooth, NFC, and GIS capabilities sound? Customize the AIM 75S for your customers, including peripherals like barcode scanners, RFID, MSR, and accessories like a multi-bay docking station. Contact your Blue Star Advantech representative.